As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes, adult film stars, and sportsman drag racing. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Big Jed is live from home in Alabama, although you won't be home much longer, will you? I will not, Luke. I am going to be heading out to I-57 Drag Strip tomorrow afternoon in the Jake's Summer Door Car Shootout. Pretty excited about that. (laughs) uh, We didn't get a chance to talk off air because I wasn't off air. Uh, I just got here. You were uh, way off air. Drove in the driveway. <laughs> I got got in the driveway on two wheels. Um, just barely made it in here. Um, my inside of my mouth is. I got some problems right now. Um, I feel like the inside of my mouth, like a six thirty two, dropped a valve at five hundred and eighty feet on the spray inside of my mouth. That's what I I feel oh. like. Right here. I mean, right, right in there. I'm Special in treat for our Facebook Live audience. Yeah, it's bad. Uh, I'm coming to announce. <laughs> I'm, I'm talking on the show tonight. I was power chewing some steak earlier, and it got away from me. And, I mean, I chewed <laughs> inside my mouth like a weed eater. I've been turned loose in there. So I get there sometimes. So I'm a mess right now. I have no idea what we talked about off show. I really don't know what we're going to talk about on the show. I just got the doc whipped up here so let's roll baby i mean let's do this i appreciate you taking one for the team and really getting it out you're playing through pain oh you know that's what i do luke that's what i do we've got a special treat tonight in addition to the usual suspects here we're also joined by the driver of the olathe outlaw the longtime announcer this season co-announcer of the jigs summer door car shootout Ivan no driving himself, Chili, Willie, Burnett. 
Love this guy. How can you not love, love this, this guy? guy right He's awesome. Hey, Mr. Bogacki, Mr. Painton, gentlemen. What's up, Good Willie? to see you. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Likewise, my friend. Good to see you, Willie. So this is the official announcing duo for the upcoming JEGS Summer Door Car Shootout at I-57 Drag Strip. If you can't tell, we are going to have a great time this weekend. And guys, we, we made touch on the uh, the biggest little door car race in the midwest occasionally but for the for the topic for tonight's show i actually wanted to go a little bit different direction and i'm i'm glad that we've got willie on here to 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 share some insights uh on his end as well so this all stemmed if i'm going to be completely honest from a, a column that i penned for the upcoming issue of National Dragster, which will actually release tomorrow. And in that, in my typical science of winning column, I, I explored, I think I picked out six big questions for the second half of 2023 that will likely be answered by the end of the year. And a, a couple of those we touch on pretty regularly here on the show, so we'll kind of skim by those. But I've got a handful that I'll throw to you guys, and, and if you if you have any additional you know big questions that uh, can be answered in the second half of the year, encourage those as well. But let's start with, and actually this was timely as well, Jed. I don't know if you noticed this, but right before we came live, the flyer for the OG Million, the 2023 version of the OG Million, which comes to Worldwide Technology Raceway in September, the flyer was released earlier today. And one of my questions that I'll pose to you guys is, will this edition of the OG Million, its first time in St. Louis, will this be the biggest million to date? And as a side note, is it possible that it could actually reach the 626 car minimum, or I shouldn't say minimum, the 626 car mark that would make it actually pay the full million dollars. As ludicrous as that sounds, and as ludicrous as it's uh, sounded for years, last year got to 495, like 626. 496, I think. Yeah, six, 626 is a big number, but it suddenly doesn't feel completely out of reach. So Jed, Willie, I'll pitch that to you. Biggest million ever? Uh, Luke, I mean, 496 was a massive number, massive. And I just, you know, I feel like it's going to be very successful, but I just can't let myself believe that it will surpass last year's record by far number. So, I, you know, would it surprise me? Absolutely not. But I just, I don't think I'm ready to predict that if you will. So uh, I'm going to say that it's going to rival that number for sure, but I'm not going to, I'm not comfortable with predicting it. And that's fair because if you remember, I mean, you had mentioned it, it blew out of the water that the next closest million and even our predictions last year, we thought it would be big. And I think the highest prediction we had was 330 something that almost 500. So is yeah. there a regression yeah, to was... the mean or does it just continue to go berserk? Willie? You know, I, I think it could go both ways. It's it's such a wild card because I'm a Midwest guy, you know, so I'm Kansas City-ish, so this is great for me. I'd, I'm excited to get the opportunity to go back again since, like, I don't remember when it was, 2005 or something. the last million I've ever been to. Um, drive my junior dragster, I think. But uh, the, uh, the chance of it popping off is definitely palatable because 
you've got a bunch of guys up here that Midwest can be kind of finicky. You know, they don't like to travel real deep. They don't like to go real far. And, but they're not afraid to race. So that chance to have that kind of a race this close to home could really drag some junk out of the, you know, woodshed. So that's, that's all I'm thinking is that we may see some stuff we haven't seen in a while, some people we haven't seen in a while, and it could eclipse anything we ever could have imagined. And part of me hopes it does. So I, because I, I would love to see Midwest big bucks racing grow to that extent so quickly. I think it'll pop off a lot of other opportunities at other tracks uh, and do a lot for this area that we haven't really seen a lot of really strong big bucks activity in over the, the years. So I'll be honest, Willie, at this point in life, racing career, what have you, like I'm here for the story. So the story, like 627, give me that. Like that's the story, right? That's the story that I think ultimately we, we all want. So I'm rooting for that. I think of the of the two predictions here, I, I lean more toward Willie. Like I think it's I think it's gonna go big. And I could be way off base as I think Willie put it best. Like these races in general, and specifically for a variety of reasons, though, G million, like it's a bit of a wild card and, and moving farther north than it's ever been, with the exception of the of the one year we went on the poker run from Indy to Muncie, right? It's 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 never been in this region. Um, but I'll I'll give two reasons. And Jed, you can speak to the second one a little bit better than I can. The first is that for 18 months, we've underpredicted everything. Like this whole market has gone absolute berserk, right? And it's just at, at, a, at a pace that I don't think any of us can predict, much, much less keep up with. Um, the second reason Willie really touched on is just geography. And, and Jed, this is where I'll lean on you because I'm probably biased by this. We're, we're two hours from the, the facility where um, the, the OG million will take place this season. My sense is... And I guess the 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 logic behind this is that while the typical geographic footprint of the OG million has traditionally been a hotbed for big dollar bracket racing, I would argue that that hotbed has has shifted more to the Midwest in in recent years, probably more spread out in general, uh, but but more to the Midwest. And my sense. Again, Jed, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're closer to this than I, is that those southeastern drivers, there's not as much um, competition isn't the right word, but there's not opportunities to race for huge money week in and week out close to home. And I feel that the majority of the racers that have traditionally supported the million will make the trip up to St. Louis. And I definitely get the sense from not just the immediate area, but the the geographic footprint that now St. Louis touches, that you're going to get a lot of racers that would not make the tow to Montgomery or would not make the tow to South Georgia that are fired up that it's a little bit closer to them and will come to St. Louis. I, I just I think it's going to get everybody in one place at one time. And I don't I'm not going to predict 627, but I I think it will be bigger than last year. So am I anywhere close on the thought that the the traditional million dollar crowd will travel, Jed? What are your thoughts on that? 
Uh, you know, it's it's really according to what you consider traditional. You know, I, I think the million has had quite a following from south of Montgomery, from Florida. But, you know, this is a 10 to Montgomery is a 10, 11 hour ride for a lot of the the um, regulars at the million to to get to Capital City. And now you're talking about adding 10 hours to that from Montgomery to St. Louis, you know, at least nine and a half anyway. So I think that's going to impact the amount of regulars that will travel to St. Louis. Um, the race means a lot to a lot of people. So I definitely think there's going to be, you know, a following from the, the, the areas south and east of Capital City. But I don't think it'll be quite in the numbers that we've seen at Capital City. Now, as Willie said, that's a hotbed. You know, that's Central America and it's a hotbed. I don't think people realize basically you've basically cut the ride in half from Colorado and, and areas out that way. So I think you're going to get quite a, a West Coast impact, what we consider West Coast anyway, West Coast impact on the event. So I really think it's going to offset for every one that doesn't make the trip from South or East of there, maybe even North. You'll get somebody from West, North or South. Um, expect there to be a, a large showing from Texas so I think the crowd's going to be great, Luke. I really do. Uh, I don't think it's going to take 626 to pay a million. I think if it gets anywhere within reason of that number, uh, I believe uh, just, you know, Randy and, and Jenny and the, the brain trust there is going to just step up. Now, what's close? I don't know, within 10, 15 entries. So I think if this thing gets over 600, it, it's going to – that word's going to spread and it's going to, it's going to get enough that they're going to pay a million. Uh, nobody wants to pay a million that. more than they, I think, I think if it were to touch like five seventy five Friday morning, that the buzz in the pits would create the extra 20 or whatever, 50 something. No yeah. I, 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 I actually had that fleeting thought a year ago because I, I didn't really look at the flyer. I, I know back in the day, the, the OG million, it was 500 cars would pay it. And when I heard that they got to like 460, I'm like, oh my God, they're going to get 500, you know, which they almost did. But again, 500 wasn't the threshold. Had it been, I think they would have easily surpassed it. Yeah. I, I think the, the, biggest, the biggest concern probably for the folks and everybody involved in it is that you've relocated that race from a known regulars type of event that they had 300 people written in every year right and those are all the guys you're talking about that may have to make that extra trip and now we're now we're going to drag it up here in the middle of nowhere and everyone's going to go oh man i've you know been waiting to go to the million for years you know billy bob from freaking iowa is billy bob from iowa really wanted to go to the million you know, is he really want to pay? Does has he has he ever even thought about paying two grand to stage in round one? You know, I mean, that's I've done it one time and it was a horrible decision on my part financially. But you know, <laughs> um, third round. But you were there. The you time. did it. But uh, but I did it. But I have done it once. So, but it, it's a big deal. You're like holy crap! You know, I've spent my you know a third of my racing budget back in two thousand eight to do this, you know, it's pretty serious. So, uh, 
are they going to stand up and say that that's a problem we've seen, I guess, in the Midwest is that when someone is taking the opportunity to try and put themselves out for a big bucks race in this area, there's been a lot of, a lot of gab about it being a big deal and then not getting the support that we expected from it. So I, that's why I hope it's going to just blow out of the water because I hope that they finally see, man, this is, we're getting a great opportunity here. This is something to take a, take advantage of. Willie, you I mentioned, expect that to be the case. Willie, you mentioned the state of Iowa, and that's just a thread that I want to pull on because it may not be an enormous market, but that region, it feels like big dollar bracket racing has come into vogue maybe for the first time, you know, with some of the stuff that Thomas Gall and, and uh, right. Cedar Falls and, and SFG has been up there. Like, it just seems like that region is excited about big dollar bracket racing for, you know, the first time in my lifetime, perhaps. And I just feel like you've got, again, maybe I'm overblowing the, the size of that market, a group of racers that are fired up to do this type of stuff. And when the million comes a little bit closer to them, like I just feel like they're going to flock to it. I, I think that alone may bring 50 plus entries. I, I definitely, I definitely could see that as well. Uh, I mean, it's, I think of some of the places I've re- I went to, used to race in Eddyville for a year. I raced in Eddyville, Iowa for, it's, 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 the, the most beautiful track in a cornfield you've ever seen. But uh, the, those racers are as passionate as any racers are out there and have as much invested in their equipment and uh, as anyone out there. But they weren't much for traveling. You know, they just didn't travel. And so hopefully this will be that, that little push to be like, oh, we got to go. We got to take advantage of this when the time, when the time is right. We've been talking about this our whole lives we need to do it so that's that's going to be what makes what makes or breaks it but i'm pretty sure it's what makes it if we the state just, of iowa has the reigning uh, og million uh champion right now very so true very that, true. that was already going to get more they're going to so. just flood the place so a lot of talent around there a lot of talent in the state of kansas a lot of talent in the state of missouri so you know, well the said, home sir, state. Way, well said. The, the home state could definitely uh, end up uh, being, you know, producing the winning racer. So there, there's people's going to get a, get their eyes open to a lot of great racers in that region of the country that they haven't got to see. Okay, just to be clear, Worldwide Technology Raceway, typically dubbed as St. Louis, is actually in the state of Illinois. So if you want to swing for a home state oh, racer. Right. Let's get the yeah. story straight. All right. Yeah, maybe somebody from Carterville or something. <laughs> you never know. Stranger yeah. things have happened. I was going for Angela Belosi, but whatever, you know. <laughs> That's a good pick, too. That's a solid, yeah, real solid good. pick there. <laughs> One, if we throw geography aside, does the at a at a race of this magnitude, does the facility I want to say make a difference, but I mean make a difference in terms of whether or not people attend because I don't not to 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 throw shade at any of the, the facilities that have hosted the million dollar races because they've always been class facilities capable of, of hosting an event of that magnitude. I do think it's fair to say that Worldwide Technology Raceway is the nicest, biggest, like most well-equipped facility to host the OG million that it's ever gone to. Does that impact the crowd at all? 
I, I think, really? I mean, it, it's not going to hurt it. That's for sure. When you know that you can park on concrete and not have to drive through a gravel tar pit to get to the freaking staging lanes, then that's probably going to be a positive. So, I mean, I, the, the only time I've been to the OG million was in, in Memphis and that's a great facility as well. I mean, it's a lot of grass and I mean, but, uh, it, it can't hurt. 100% positive impact on, uh, on the crowd. Um, you know, I don't know what the weather's like in that part of the country that time of year, but you know, if, if you see some, you know, one of these days it's got significant amount of rain, and you know that you're going to be parked in the mud, Luke, that's a hard decision for you to make. But if you know you're not going to be parked in the mud, even if it rains, that changes your mindset. And, the, the you know, that's just one of the benefits to a great facility like St. Louis or, or worldwide. So definitely has a positive impact on it. It was a it was a decision that I was not a huge fan of just selfishly because the the OG was in my home state and it was an hour and a half away, but it was a very good decision by folk promotions. And it, it's definitely going to lead to great results. All right. A couple other questions that I think we can roll through relatively quickly, and then we'll, we'll get to one that I think uh, pertains most directly to our man, Willie. I thought a couple, uh -oh. a couple NHRA related. The first, Justin Lamb is, is the, uh, the holder of one of the more unique and impressive streaks uh, in the current landscape of NHRA sportsman drag racing. And that is the fact that Justin has won at least one national event for 11 consecutive seasons. Now we're not quite to the midway point of the NHRA season, but he has not yet scored in 2023. Can that streak continue? And just for reference, the next closest streak to Justin's in sportsman drag racing is one of Anthony Bertozzi, who had six coming into this year, obviously already doubled up at Pomona and has extended that streak to seven. But you just zoom out from that a little bit across the landscape of sportsman drag racing. Justin Lamb has the longest such streak by nearly double anyone else coming into this year. Willie, does it continue? Yes. I, 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 and I say that. Uh, maybe reluctantly, I guess, because I just think about like the fathers of my friends and how big a, na a national event victory was a, a lifetime achievement. And then we start talking about these guys. And I mean, like you, like this year, you see some of the amazing feats that have occurred so far this year. Um, those guys have some have to have that next step, that next thing. They just have that ability to work in that environment and thrive in what a national event requires to win, which is different from anything else in the world. You know, just the pace, the the drawn out schedule, everything like that. And he's one of the best of the best. So I don't, I I can't imagine the, the streaks this long, and we're talking about it for a reason, right? Five world championships can't be wrong. Very well said. Very well said, sir. Yes, the streak lives. Streak um, lives. 
Yeah, I don't know how many opportunities he's going to have at national events. But, yeah, I was uh, thinking through that. Like at minimum, you've got to assume Justin Lamb is headed to the Western Swing events in Sonoma and Seattle, and the season-ending events at Vegas, where he wins every other race and Pomona. So minimum, I would say four yeah. more opportunities. Right, his home track is going to give him opportunity. Uh, you know, he's going to be racing um, against people that know his legendary status i think that's going to produce some win lights and ultimately you know his talent will win out as well and he will he will move on and, and win another wally at a national event this year so yes the streak continues end of story i hate to curse my man jl but i'm going to make it a perfect three for three and say that the streak continues so there's probably no hope that the streak actually continues <laughs> if we're actually all in agreement on that uh but yeah i i, I just like his odds um, one of the best to ever do it in two categories at Grace Treks where he's he's wanted all of them, right? And that's assuming that he just attends those four. Uh, I will say, just to circle back on the, the impressive nature of a streak like this, what Justin Lamb's doing, I mean, to Willie's point, typically winning a national event is a lifetime achievement to do it consecutively for 11 years running. And in most of those cases, multiple wins, really impressive stuff, but it just emphasizes how incredible the career of one Dan Fletcher is because prior to Justin Lamb taking over this pedestal, that record was held by Dan Fletcher, I believe up to 2020. He had run that streak up to 25 consecutive seasons before he finally went a year without winning a national event. And obviously, Dan's show is not on the road like it once was, but that feels like one of those Cal Ripken-esque records that will just never again be touched. 25 consecutive years of winning a national event in a sportsman category. Unreal. Oh, incredible. It's like an unfair comparison, you know? I mean, there's Dan and then there's everybody else. But, you know, and I, like Jed was saying, a point I didn't think about, I mean, when uh, when the big rig rolls into Vegas, I think they park that kid in the winter circle, don't they? I mean, they don't even let him get his cars out, right? So I think Justin's going to be all right. I think he can make this happen again. I mean, he, he must have like 18 Vegas uh, national event victory. So I, I think he's going to be able to sneak one in just, just on the edge, you know? So he, I think we discussed this, maybe it was last fall, the last time that Justin won at Vegas, but it seems like Jed, I don't, I don't know if you recall this, but it seems like his last win at the Vegas national made him the winningest driver of national events at the facility. And I don't mean like sportsman driver. I mean, like he topped Erica Enders or something. It was something ridiculous. You know, like he had more wins there than anyone. Yeah, I don't recall that, uh, you know, where that uh, last one landed him. But Luke, you could have told me that that made him the winningest. And I would have just said, yeah, I'm sure it did. So I think that's right. Uh, would hashtag, be no surprise if that's the case. The hashtag loyal listeners can fact check us on that. But for some reason, that's ringing a bell. All right. Question number three for you guys. Again, this NHRA focused. In my column that, that drops tomorrow in National Dragster, I floated the, I guess what is, is not a completely new idea of the, the Sportsman Cup, meaning this is not an award. To my understanding, it was an award some three, four decades ago. I'm here, I'm, I'm 
banging the drum. Let's bring it back. Okay. The Sportsman Cup would be the sportsman driver that amassed the most points of the season across all categories, right? So who will not only be a world champion in their own right, who will be the world champion of world champions? And obviously the leader in the clubhouse for the 2023 version of the Sportsman Cup would be one Sherman Adcock Jr., who has damn near been perfect to this point in the season. I think he's five for six as we record this. Uh, been to six six events in, in the Supergas category, won five of them. But honestly, closely on his heels is one Kyle Rizzoli. And we are not yet halfway through the season. Obviously, there will be some other contenders emerge unless Sherman just continues to, to go scoreboard on us. And, and light it up perfect all the way through. Jed, I know Sherm's your boy. Is there any chance that the 2023 version of the Sportsman Cup, which we are going to make a thing, we're going to speak it into existence, is there any chance that that goes anywhere but Columbus, Georgia? Uh, Luke, I couldn't see anyone else claiming the title as much as I love uh, Rizzo. I mean, and I think he's posting a great number. Sherm's just in the zone. I mean, he's obviously off to an incredible start. You know, a follow-up question of this was, is will he set the record for super gas points? And that's definitely in his sights at the moment. So I think he's going to post the highest score. And, and part A to this would be, you know, is he going to post the highest super gas score ever? And I really think that he's going to do that as well. So um, or even the highest and, sportsman score ever. I mean, that's a really <laughs> high bar with that Mark Peter Bianco. That's a real high ago, bar. But it's it's within reach at this point. I think Peter's record is safe uh, with the with the parity that that the sport has today. Uh, Sherman's definitely um, disputing parity at the moment with his score and his record, but uh, definitely definitely think he's going to set the record. But I I think. Peter's record is safe as far as highest sportsman score ever. And as far as the sportsman cup, if we talk about it on the podcast, Luke, it will happen. That's the power of the sportsman drag racing podcast with Luke and Jed. So I'm not real sure who's going to get all this rolling, get it initiated, but somebody will, we know that. Speak it into existence, my friend. Yes. I mean, I, I, took a whole different approach to this. You know, I wasn't really, you know, me, I'm not much of a math guy, you know, I'm a one plus one equals 17 guy guy, but I was more worried about the cup. You know, that's my whole focus. I was like, we got to design the cup folks. You know, I was thinking, uh, it's gotta be Stanley cup. So that's where we're going to go. Stanley cup, big, everybody gets a name on it. It travels around. There's only one cup. Oh, I love it. I, I, I will already, uh, put myself out there as the keeper of the cup who travels with it, with the white gloves and make sure that it goes to the correct place <laughs> and people don't abuse it. But I, I was learning, I was listening to a podcast, uh, the Kelsey brothers, Travis and Kelsey puts on this uh, podcast. And they're talking about the, the Stanley cup and the, all the rules and stuff. And I mean, it, it that's, it's gotta be something like that with rules, you know? So you can only drink, or eat out of the cup if a previous winner of the cup is present. That's Stanley Cup rule, and that's got to be a Sportsman Cup rule, sir. So let's focus on the cup. Let's get the cup made, and then the racers will come, sir. So Shouts to the keeper of the cup. I love it. 
Willie, I'm here for all of Just let me know when, when I need to carry this thing around. I'm, I'm in. I'll get, get a little, get a little station wagon our, and just hit the road. So Our listeners don't know what the Stanley Cup is. Nobody gives a crap about stupid hockey Stanley Cup. I mean, nobody – tell them, ask, you know, give them something that they know what it is. I, I'm from Kansas, man, so I can assure you I don't know anything about <laughs> hockey either. I just thought the cup was cool. So they have the coolest <laughs> cup point. and the dumbest sport. So I don't know, you know. Are we live? Oh, damn. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I lo- yeah, I love going next level with the cup idea. One thing that I that I, I brought up in the, the column, what, what happens if, let's say, for instance, that a driver in, let's just say top sportsman, lights up a perfect season or seven wins in a semi, right? Something that would, that would rival Peter Biondo's stock score. But the nature of, say, comp eliminator, top sportsman, top dragster, do not necessarily allow for the point score to amass in the way that Sherman Adcock's going to in Supergas, simply because those classes are typically five round races, sometimes less, right? So it's hard to accumulate as many points. Is there, would, would, the, would the Sportsman Cup committee take into consideration a near perfect season from, oh, I don't know, Brandon Miller, who's three and zero on the season in top sportsman been to three events won all three a perfect season from say jimmy lewis who has been to two races and has not yet lost around there are two guys that are going to vie for the top sportsman championship not to say that they'll run through the season perfect but if they were to accumulate a round record of what would it take eight races so let's say 30 38 and two on the season but come up 80 points shy of sherman adcock's cox mark how would the how would the committee weigh that Well, I, I mean, I think that uh, that the points are what they are, right? Um, so, I mean, if 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 my no man Sherm, <laughs> yeah, if my man Sherm scores all the points, and and you know these guys are not in a category that allows them to accumulate as many points, then you know, just conventional wisdom says it wasn't as difficult to pass, Luke. Would, so the sportsman would, your feelings, would go to the man that earned it. I'm curious, would your feelings change if Sherman Adcock was the one in top dragster or top sportsman? Exactly 100%. what I was thinking. <laughs> 100% it would change. Sherman Adcock, that would be different. If it, was, if it was Sherman on the short end of the stick, then they'd need to change the system. <laughs> I mean, why did you even ask that? I mean, we just wasted good air time. Well played. Good point. Good point. I was going to say we may have to table this until uh, we get to a season that Sherman Adcock isn't dominating the world. But for some reason, I don't think that's ever going to happen again. I think he's just going to he's going to be 114 and wrecking them in super gas. So I, I just just call Probably it the so. Sherman Adcock Cup and let's move on with our lives here, folks. You know, next question. Well said, Willie. The, the by far the most productive thing to come from this conversation is definitely the keeper of the cup. Best idea we've had in a long time. Thanks, Willie. Um, we're, we're making things happen. All right. My last big question to throw to you guys, and this is one that I, I, I think probably hits home. 
for, for Willie more than any of that's why I wanted to bring it up here. And this is actually full transparency. I did write this. Um, you can read this on the uh, on the on the blog version of my column on this is bracketracing.com. It did get edited out of the National Dragster version, I guess, for obvious reasons, because there is so much uncertainty around the future of NHRA Division Five. Like, I, and and I don't mean to quite paint with that broad a brush, but traditionally for the last shoot two plus decades the the geographic division that is nhra division five has played host to, to three national events a season those national events happen in brainerd minnesota denver colorado topeka kansas the bandamere family has already announced that this will be the last season for bandamere speedway now they have vowed to build a new right so at some point down the line i think it's reasonable to expect that an NHRA national event returns to Denver. In the same breath, in the same season, the, the future of Heartland Park Topeka, very much in doubt, right? Um, going through a, a pretty nasty uh, tax litigation. Who knows what will come of that? And to be fair, the future of that facility has been in doubt before and it has persevered, right? So who knows what the future may bring? Zoom out from that a little bit on the, at the Lucas Oil Series level, um, traditionally, well, we'll take this season. There are Division Five events. There's a doubleheader in Topeka. There's a doubleheader in Denver. There are two events in Earlville because there wasn't originally two events in Earlville on the schedule, but they picked up a second one because Great Bend, Kansas, SRC, SRCA drag strip in Great Bend, Kansas, uh, had to shut down for the season pending a legal battle of their own. Who knows what the future brings for that facility? So there is a world in which one of six Lucas Oil Series divisional event host facilities is actually open for business, let's say in 2024. Again, don't want to speculate too much. It, it could be four of the six, five of the six, but there's a possibility that there's just nothing left. Division five is already the geographic division that is the most spread out geographically. Uh, that's division five ratio to go from Denver to Brainerd, right? That's, that's, that's not a hop, skip and a jump, right? So it doesn't seem feasible to expand that footprint even more. I don't think if you were to eliminate at least temporarily Denver, Topeka, Great Bend, there doesn't seem to be a number of current NHRA facilities in that footprint that could fill that void. Are there other facilities that, that come on to, to join NHRA Division 5? Does that footprint expand? Do they just have six races at Earlville? Like what happens next for division five? It's, it's quite the quandary that new division director, Nick duty finds himself in. Although I will say if there's anyone equipped to navigate this, it's probably Nick, but it's a pretty tough, potentially a tough position to be in, in year one on the job. Jed, I know it's a little out of your wheelhouse. Any thoughts before we throw it to Willie? Well, definitely out of my wheelhouse, uh, you know, not familiar at all with uh, with the landscape there and, and what uh, what the travel requirements are currently. You know, my my first thought, Luke, would be to take uh, a, a very eastern located Division six facility, maybe in drag it into five or uh, I mean, a very, yeah, a very eastern or a very western Division three and maybe drag it into five, but I think you're obviously going to create more and more travel and you're going to impact those divisions. Uh, I don't know which one's the healthiest in terms of facilities that they can compete at. So 
uh, you know, it, it sounds like obviously a major challenge for Nick Duty and the powers that be at NHRA, but, you know, hopefully, um, you know, it, it, they get some kind of resolution and, you know, if they do have to compete multiple events at, uh, at a track that's already had one or two that's going to get more, you know, whatever the case may be. I think the division is important enough to NHRA that they will have some kind of resolution, but I'm just not certain what that would be. Willie would definitely have a, a much better opinion, I'm sure. Willie, as the resident Midwest constituent, what's the solution here? That's a lot of weight on my shoulders, being that I've probably raced the least of any Midwest drag racer in the last four or five years it feels like so finger on the pulse willie finger yeah right so i've been out of the division loop a little bit but i I ran top dragster like 10 years 20 years ago it feels like so burn out uh, to turn out baby burn out to turn out baby it's amazing what you do with the 770 door uh bracket car right so um but uh i it's not gonna die i mean and there are there's I think Jed's idea might be good. There's a couple division three tracks. I can't remember. Was it Cordova or Cedar Falls or somebody over there in that, that uh, Iowa, Wisconsin, kind of region, you know, there's some close tracks that are, that are uh, out of division, but actually close in geographic location. They could, they could do something with, do I think Topeka is going to die? Harlem park. I, I don't think so. I mean, they've been, they've been in flux for the last 20 years. So, I mean, that place has been on the verge of close. It was, it literally was closed for what, uh, one or two years. So um, there's a new track they're going to be building here close to Kansas city. That is probably like the 15th new track that they've said they're going to build close to Kansas city, but this one actually looks like it's going to actually occur. So yeah. Ground has been broken, correct? Yes. Ground is broken. The, the people that are involved with the track had a meeting uh, with a bunch of local drag racers, brought them in. I guess I wasn't there, but I heard it was one, they got a small room. They figured, you know, 50 people showed up and like 700 people showed up. So it was a, yeah. So it was a huge deal. You know, I mean, it was a very good turnout, but a lot of support in this area for that after Kansas City International Raceway closed, uh, which was a big loss to this area. And we haven't had anything since then. So, um, I mean, you know, it, Division Five offices, I believe, are still officed in Kansas City. So, uh, and so that, and and that you could also always do the thing, you know, which I think has worked really well for a lot of different divisions as well. Is that a two-day race is the doubles? You know, having the doubles gets at least get you some numbers, and you can really put some some races together quickly if you had. Even if you had three tracks and you doubled at all three tracks or whatever you needed to do to to get the quota, I think that that's still feasible. So it doesn't take a lot of racetracks to make it work. Um, I know that uh, Bandamirs are talking, uh, from what I understand, they're going to rebuild. I mean, they're like the originators of drag racing essentially in this area i mean they're you know uh because that that storied track amazing facility i've been there one time and did, i mean it's it's all the people ever say it is it's a racetrack on the side of a mountain i mean it's super awesome but you know it can only last so long right so um wherever they decide to 
take all their money, which I'm sure they got a significant amount of it for that facility where, where it was that they can build a really, really nice racetrack somewhere a little flatter, you know? So that no. I, I don't, I can't, I can't imagine it dying. So to, to your points, really like long-term assuming that the Bandemers build a new, which all indications point that direction, at least currently. And assuming that the, the new facility in Kansas City does come to fruition, and again, all indications are pointing that direction, even if we lose the current version of Vandermeer and you know, possibly even Topeka, and I'm, I'm kind of with you, I, I think the jury's very much out on that. Um, even, if that. even if those two facilities were to go away in five years, the landscape looks a lot like it does now, you know, presumably. Um, so that's not a, a, a huge pitfall. Uh, and in the short term, I think you guys bring up good points. Um, they'll be short on national events, it sounds like, in, in that region, which is a bummer. But I think that'll be short term. And you definitely have options or you would feel like you have options like you bring back a double at Brainerd I'm sure you can convince the track to do that make make that financially feasible all the way around um have a double or, or two divisionals in Earlville and I don't know I, I I've never been there my 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 uh, perception is that a place like Rock Falls Wisconsin is capable of hosting a divisional maybe that gets those that actually takes the division five footprint really far north you know, if, if it's those five races, but to your points too, if you wanted to expand out a little bit, I would imagine there could be opportunity to steal um, Gateway from Division Three, perhaps. You know, that that kind of falls into that footprint. Maybe Joliet, um, maybe Tulsa, which is currently a Division Four track. Maybe that goes Division Five for a couple of years. Like, there's a lot of different ways you could go about this. I have no doubt that the Division Five Lucas Oil Series will continue and not probably not look a whole whole lot different. Um, at least from the outside, from a, from a geographic standpoint for the racers traveling within the, the division, obviously it's going to see some changes, at least temporarily. But like I said in the open, if there's anybody that can figure this out and make it all work and make it make sense, I really trust that it's Nick. Like, I, I think they got the right guy for the job. Luke, maybe uh, St. Louis has a Division Three event and a division five event yes yeah, you don't steal the track from the division maybe you right. allow both divisions to to compete there no that's a good point too and and there was a time where i don't know how it would fit into the the current nhra point structure again maybe it's just two separate races to your point there was a time where IHRA would have some events that were kind of on, on border at bordering facilities or facilities that bordered two divisions. And they would just count as home division races for either division. Like perhaps something like that would be an option as well. If in fact you're short on host facilities for home division, like it, it may take a little bit of creativity, which if we're going to be completely transparent is not historically been NHRA's strong suit. But again, like if, if someone's going to think outside the box, I, I, I hate to put a whole, all of this on Nick Duty's shoulders, but I, I think he could pull it off. Yeah, Jed, you stole my, or, or uh, Luke, you stole my, my wording out of the box thinking by Big Jed. That's nice. So I, I, I definitely didn't think about that, but that makes complete sense. Why not? You know, and I don't know uh, Nick Duty personally, but from what I hear or what I feel at least, he seems like kind of a man of the people type of guy, you know, a sports and sports racer looking out for sports and racers kind of mindset. So, which is, which is great to have in that position. I don't think that the, 
like the NHRA and a lot of the, a lot of the uh, sanctioned bodies are growing in that way, you know, um, and actually putting people that are racers or have been racers or know what sports racing really is, it entails in powerful positions to support them. So hopefully that will, that will carry over as well. So I think that's, that's great news. Heck, maybe I may actually race another NHRA event in my lifetime. Who knows? We'll see. Don't hold your breath, Jed. You and me, buddy, we'll double up. Okay. We'll go get, we'll get yeah. it done. Yeah. The, the hail might be freezing over if both of us showed up at an NHRA event. <laughs> I'll, I'll even take your point in a little bit different direction, Willie. And I'll be careful at, to say this because I, I don't mean to, to belittle in any way the the accomplishments or the acumen of any of the the former or or current NHRA division directors there's been some there've been several individuals who are really really good at their job for for what we know in the sportsman drag racing community and specific the big dollar bracket racing community the the acumen of a Nick Duty and the acumen of a, a Mike Mike Eames the the new head of division 6 just have really built reputations as incredibly racer friendly um, promoters, race operators, race director, whatever title you want to give them. And I do think I, I, I said this when they both got hired on and I'll say it again. I think that the next few years will truly give us insight once and for all as to the um, autonomy that NHRA division directors are allowed. Like if there is ever going to be changes to make that sanction and then let's say the Lucas Oil Series program more racer friendly, those are the guys that are going to lead the charge. If no changes happen, then it's obvious that the division director just doesn't have much power to me because those are two guys that are going to move this thing in a direction that I want to say a positive direction, a positive direction for us as racers. Yeah, very well said, Luke. Uh, you know, those guys are racer friendly. They're, they've got their ear to the ground for, for what matters to racers, but they've got to have support from the top, you know, from Glendora, they've got to have support from the powers at NHRA. And, you know, that's, that's not easy to get. Okay. I'm not here to bash NHRA tonight, but we know that there's a lot of red tape to work through when you want to make, significant changes in that organization and you know maybe it just is what it is but uh those guys i'm sure uh had discussions about that during the interview process and the hiring process I, i'm certain that that those bases were covered and that you know at least support was promised and because I, I really think both of those guys are the right guys for the job and will do well yeah i, I agree totally my personal opinion you know is I think I, at least in my, like I said, my opinion from people I hang out with that NHRA has never been, or it's been the opposite of, you know, sportsman racer friendly, you know, or sportsman focused or racer focused. It, and so these type of uh, people being put in a, in a uh, executive decision-making place like this, it, it, it's either going to, they're either going to allow them to do a great job and, and grow and grow the sport, or they're going to hog tie the red tape and realize they've made a bad decision and they 
let the, you know, let the Indians come to the Chiefs party, I guess. I don't know. But, you know, it's one of those deals. We'll see. Let's hope. Let's hope. Positive thinking, right? So. All right. So those are four big questions that uh, we'll likely have the answer to at least like three and, a, three and a half of them at the end of the year. We'll see how close we come on our predictions. Before we get out of here, guys, just wanted to real quickly, real briefly hit on some big results from the weekend. Uh, big Jed, the, uh, the, we were going to talk about the NHRA New England Nationals, but there's nothing to talk about other than they sent, apparently they sent some racers in the rain. Sportsman never got finished. It's going to get finished at the divisional months from now. Not much to talk about, unfortunately. A trio of Lucas Oil Series events happened in Norwalk, Earlville, Boise. Um, Norwalk stood out to me, Big Jed. It was a family affair at uh, at uh, America's Racetrack. We had the Peevlers dominating top dragster with uh, Al getting the win over former world champion Blake. That's Al's son. All Brinegers in the top sportsman final with Belva getting the win over Steven. And it jumped out to me, and I know we batted this around a little bit on the uh, on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast group chat. Score a couple over the weekend for the slow rides, Big Jed. We're a sucker for the slow rides in Norwalk. Casey Boss Johnson wins stock in the old USA, Big Jed. You stock automatic to the front. Oh, you got to love that, Luke. Uh, you know, that's definitely um, something you don't get to see much is the U stock cars out there competing, and they're typically not very competitive. Casey Foss Johnson proved that uh, thought as wrong as you can prove it. Uh, Casey and I, I mentioned to you uh, through our group chat, but Casey was dead on 14.01 back-to-back runs and then dead on 14 flat the next two runs. So the car wasn't didn't appear to be wonderful in the runs prior to that, but maybe the weather settled down or whatever, but Casey was pretty nasty there in those last four runs with four runs within, I don't know, 12 or 13 thou of each other, I think. So pretty doggone sporty for the USA. That was, uh, that was cool to see. Uh, you know, a 14 second car, I think anything in the 14s is pretty good. Right. So, I mean, you know, just get, 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 get her, get her within that second range, you know, you're doing good. So what, what, what is, what did she drive or what was Casey drive by the way? What is, what vehicle is that? I should have done more research. It's it's the USA. Well, I know it's not it's not a Pinto because we would be screaming it from the high heavens. But we would definitely know. Okay, if it was a Pinto. it's Good probably point. Well just an Omni or something. But still, that's a quite impressive feat. You know, <laughs> quite impressive feat. So it's always good to see the the slow car come through for the for the fans. So Four, fourteen yeah, seconds. You get more time to cheer. See, you know, lots of time to cheer. Fourteen seconds is a lot of time for stuff to go wrong. Like there's just a lot that could go on in 14 seconds to, to repeatedly go dead on 14 flat, 1401. Pretty impressive stuff from the slow rides. Speaking of the slow rides, Willie, Nick Vogelsang, Super Street winner at Earlville. His final round ET 1092. That that doesn't stand out to me. 91 miles per hour. That jumps off the page. That is not your typical Super Street ride. See, you know, one of the perks of, of doing this, you know, is I get to see in the see the background operation of, that you guys have going here, and I get to see the all the notes that uh, that you sent to me, Luke. And I swore that was a misprint. So I was like, well, that that could, that obviously is wrong. You must have must have carried the one or something. I don't know what happened there. I don't, I don't know math, but it just didn't compute even in my head. So 
that's nice. That's real Mick, nice. So Mick Vogel saying more MPHs at the halfway point than at the quarter. <laughs> doing work. I do work. Do do that. Do a little James Kunkel action almost there. And then he was channeling like his inner James Kunkel, channeling his inner yeah. Tim Nicholson. He's going on out there to a point and then coasting. It, it's tough when you go Kunk on him like that. That's nice. That's nice. I like yeah. it. And, and if, if there's, I, I can't, I can't turn on a wind light with a conventional approach. So I really appreciate when somebody works outside the box, you know? Channeling his inner Chris Garrettson. Didn't mean to leave Chris out there. It's been a while since we talked about Chris Garrettson. <laughs> Other divisions. Yeah, a super car I, with some, uh, with some, uh, I'll say a super street car with some uh, airplane front tires would be super cool. Though, oh, so. Yes. The, the <laughs> keeper of that, the, but man, we got to talk to Chris about that. So. The keeper of the cup would have to make a visit to the super street ride with the airplane front tires. That would be fantastic. Yes. yes. Out west in the great northwest. How about my man Wade Archer, Big Jed? This is Wade's weekend at the Division Six opener in Boise. He started the weekend by winning the Super Gas Shootout. That's like a 16-car qualified field Saturday night. He did that in his roadster. Meanwhile, he was going rounds in the $5,000 to win bracket race. Again, one of the Mike Eames specials, one of those racer-friendly add-on events to the divisional. Wade went on to win that in his dragster. So Saturday night, won the shootout in Supergas, won the $5,000 eighth mile bracket race in his dragster, and then comes back Sunday and hoists the Wally in Super Comp. Weekends don't get much better than that. No, that's pretty nasty. He uh, obviously waded through the field. Um, but I nice. mean, nice. my goodness, I, when you go into the event and you're, you're just hoping you win something and then you win everything, Luke, that's... That had to even exceed his own expectations. And we have high expectations of ourselves at the racetrack, unless you're me or Willie. So uh, that's uh, that's an incredible weekend and, uh, uh, you know, obviously a dream weekend for him. So awesome job by Wade Archer. There was more domination, Luke, in uh, in bracket racing out east at the Ace Summer Slam at uh, Dragway 42. My goodness. Team Chris Bear was nasty which is no surprise to anyone you 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 have uh rattled the chris bear cowbell many many a times you picked him many times in the big money races to do well and he normally does well but this his team was dominant at the ace race quick summary of the ace summer slam chris bear won Yeah, I mean, Tim Irwin got the win over Chris Bear on day one. Um, Randy Sh- Randy Shire won a day, and Randy is typically driving a, a Bear Motorsports dragster. Those two work uh, together. They do work together. And then Chris Bear got the win over the always tough Dave Connolly on Sunday. So Chris Bear and Chris Bear equipment was in the final pretty much everything they had and uh, obviously left there cash heavy so congratulations to them but uh don't want to definitely don't want to slight tim Irwin there that was a you know that was a big win for him as well on day one over bear so strong performances there by some typical strong performers and you uh, luke to i'm sorry you guys know where you can congratulate one tim Irwin on that five thousand dollar victory 
at the Jeg Summer Door Car Shootout. Jeg Summer Door Car Shootout presented by Bill Taylor Enterprises. One hundred percent. Hopefully, I see nice. Tim at the concession stand when I'm over there getting some of that delicious lemonade or one of those hamburgers. You could Looking you could hang that. out with Tim at the ever popular Butch Doherty Memorial Ice Cream Social up on the deck, presented oh. by our friends at Fuel Factory. Ice cream socials are so much fun. I love those. I can't I'm wait so to get to I-57. So all of yeah, the cool ideas excited. at the Jake Summer Door Car Shootout, they're all stolen. None of them were mine. The ice cream social, I, I got to give to you, Big Jed, because you famously told me once, we give away ice cream for buybacks. You know why? Because you can't be pissed off when you're eating ice cream. <laughs> it's not possible. It's not possible, Luke. I just ordered uh, 1,008 pieces of ice cream for the BTE World Foot Break Challenge. So um, I'm really, I'm all about some ice cream right now. Pretty excited. The the food truck backed it up this morning to the tower. I don't know if we got a thousand eight, but we got a lot of ice cream. <laughs> I Good just stuff. need to do something in my life that would allow me to order a thousand and eight pieces of ice cream. That, that sounds amazing. I'm just going to do it for fun. I just got to buy a new freezer. Yeah. We're going to get, we're going to have an ice cream social on my back deck at the house. Everybody come on by. Free ice really? cream going to buy back. I'm so I'm happy in. we could help with the life goals today. Between a thousand eight pieces of ice cream and keeper of the cup, you've got you've got a whole new agenda in life. How many pieces of ice cream fit in the cup? That's oh, the key. oh, there so you go. We're gonna have that's, to establish that. So the double whammy. <laughs> that's an answer we need to get this weekend. <laughs> the the cup uh, could like, be shaped like an ice cream sandwich. So we we can do this. I mean, there's there's so many ways to to skin the cat. So. Great point. Great idea. Luke, to wrap up the bracket action, our good friend Wesley Washington Jr. back in the promotion business again this year and, uh, and got had a great event up at MIR, King of the Creek. Uh, this, this race had quite a bit of racing for the top and bottom bulb racers. Looked like an excellent event. And, uh, and Wesley, I think, uh, it, you know, did what Wesley does and put on a great show. Thursday's 10K warm-up was Ray Snoots over Robbie Parlett. Uh, Ray Snoots would be a top 10 name. I don't care where you are, when you're racing. I mean, if your last name is Snoots, that is top 10. Uh, Friday's 25K was Andy Lloyd over Michael Shoup. So great for Andy Lloyd. The Lloyd family, as you'll hear in a little bit, did quite well there. Uh, Friday's 2K foot break race was Nathan Mendenhall over Luke Miller. Saturday rolled around, had another 25K. That was won by our old friend, Chris Gulitti. Chris made his way all the way up to Maryland from Texas, and it paid off big time with a 25K win over Danny Matera. Anybody that knows anything about that region of the country knows the Materas are just stupid, nasty. Those dudes win. If your last name is Matera, you're a winner. That's just plain and simple. Danny with the runner up there. Saturday's 5K footbreak race was Russ Archer getting the win over Chris Bunch. Chris Bunch, another super difficult competitor on the bottom up in that region of the country. Saturday, they had a 2K to win junior race where Dexter Gomez got the win over Chris Suppers. Suppers is a top 10 name. I mean, they wouldn't want supper in their last name. They're making me hungry already, and I've already had supper. Sunday's 10K was Richie Allen over. Allison Lloyd, which I'm sure will be hanging out down around Darlington this coming weekend. So great for Allison. 
Sunday's 2K foot brake race was Jay DeMar over Mike Gardner. And Sunday's 2K to win junior event, which wrapped everything up, is Peyton Bunch, Chris Bunch's son, over Calvin Weaver. So a lot of big winners there at the King of the Creek. And again, congratulations to Wesley Washington Jr. on a a great event. And uh, he's got more of those coming up this year. I know we got to get out of here. We said hard out at an hour. We're at an hour. Three three quick follow-ups for you, Big Jed. Number one, this came to my attention today, top 10 names, right? This is not even a name that's going to be at the Jake Summer Door Car Shootout. But as I was going through today, I was reconciling the reserve parking spots at the racetrack versus the people that are coming to the Jake Summer Door Car Shootout. One of the reserve parking spots at I-57 Drag Strip is reserved for one Curtis Wingetter. Is that, that, that's gotta be, I mean, I don't know if this guy's ever bracket raced in his life. He might, I think he's like a test and tuner. That's a top 10 name. Wingetter. I don't, I don't know if it's made up. Like, I think that's actually his name. <laughs> Curtis Wingetter is, uh, is definitely somebody I can't wait to call uh, on, call out on the mic. Uh, that's uh, that's definitely a top 10 name. Um, and Luke, there's top 10 names everywhere at the, at the Jake summer door car shootout historically, you know, uh, hollering. What was Holleran's uh, first name? I can't Mark, remember. Was it Mark, 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 yeah. Mark Holleran. Yeah. Cause uh, like I said, when he, the car he was driving, I would be hollering to get out of that son of a buck because it was <laughs> stupid fast. So uh, he was, he was, uh, that would be my name, Jared Holleran, big Jed Holleran, but there's tons of great, you know, my serviers. Yes. There's all yes, kind of, yes. Oh, is he going to be there? No, no, neither one okay. of them. But yes, those are top 10 names for sure. Okay, those fast guys. Bringing back memories. Break. Yeah, it's good stuff. So looking forward to all the crazy names. There's there's some of those names up there that's, that's just very difficult to call out. So I'm excited about that. But just Matt exciting. Fox. In general I don't think about... Matt Fox is coming this year either. Oh, he yeah, won Matt last Fox. Year. You got, oh. Oh, yeah, he it up. Yeah, he run it up quick 16. And that, that's not spelled Fox. That's not F-O-X, no, folks. That's and one so, you got to be real <laughs> careful with. No, no, that's what the Fox. That's uh, definitely <laughs> that's a scary one. If there's you, use if you don't know that sucker, and it, it gets crazy, <laughs> yeah. you know, <laughs> you don't know the proper enunciation. <laughs> that's a, uh, that's I said, I, I said I had three follows for you, Jed. The second, what about Chris Galetti? Like it, he went for the crab cakes, 125 grand. What is he doing in Maryland? Yeah, I have no I idea. Winning twenty five grand, obviously. Yeah, there, there must be there must be a stretch of races. Obviously, he's probably going to to Darlington, going to do a little racing. So, just decided to go by Maryland on his way to Darlington from sure. Texas. Whatever. Butts Creek was Chris Galetti can do whatever he wants to do. So, I guess he's just doing whatever he wants to do, and it's paying off. And Jed, I'm 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 speaking out of my rear end here, but this name just keeps coming up. We're going we're gonna to have to dedicate some time on the podcast to talk about one Nathan Mendenhall. I admittedly, I don't know much about this kid. He wins every week. I, I was not aware that he's winning every week. I know that we have mentioned his name a couple of times here and there, but uh, obviously sounds like a bad cat. And maybe we need to give him some attention here on the show and really, really boost his win record because we know. If we talk about you on the podcast, real good, like, it gives makes you more gooder. 
definitely makes it more official. We're going to do some research on Nathan Mendenhall. We'll, we'll get back to you on that. But yeah, the dude, I bet he's he's got to have won eight races this year. It's insane. Okay. So a future show begs the question, just how good is Nathan Mendenhall? Mendenhall. There you go. We will uh, see. I already messed that name up. But nonetheless, uh, that that wraps us up. We'll answer those questions and many more as the as the show continues. Um, obviously, a big week, big weekend for the three that's here on the show. Willie, thank you for joining us, man. We we really appreciate it. You, you add a lot of color and great commentary to the show. So we're excited to have you here, and we thank you for giving us some time and certainly look forward to working with you, my friend, on the microphone. Uh, both of us will probably race poorly, so the microphone will be covered pretty much all the time. We should be really good. Shouldn't need any fill-ins, but uh, hopefully maybe one of us will go around or two at the event. Thank, thank you, sir. I look so forward to it. And hopefully we have two microphones. We can actually hang out together after second round. So, and then uh, thanks again, guys, for having me on. I really look forward to seeing the new, uh, the new uh, cover for the show where it's going to be the, the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke Jed and Ivan. So being that I've, I've probably been on the show like 47 times now. I mean, I'm just waiting, waiting to get my belly. So looking, looking really forward to that, fellas. Thanks again for having me. And and I'll be back again to talk about more sports and drag racing. <laughs> we appreciate that, Willie. We, we welcome you anytime, my friend. That does wrap us up, guys. Uh, if you have some comments that you'd like to leave about this show or a show you'd like to see or our amazing guest, Ivan No Driving, uh, definitely do that right there on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. There's an easy way to do that so everyone can see it, or you can go behind the scenes and send us a private message, and producer Mark will grab it up and let us know what you had to say. Luke, special I-57 show coming up. What kind of shout-outs do you have to send us in to the best little door car race in the Midwest? Partially, Jed, because I'm ill-prepared, but partially – just because I want to pay homage to our guest. I am going to throw the shouts tonight to one. Ivan, no driving. Willie oh. Burnett, completely impromptu. I've not prepared him for oh. this. Shout us out. Close it out. Willie. Man, that, so I probably shouldn't have said what I said earlier, huh? So, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, shout outs to uh, ice cream sandwiches. Uh, oh, Shout outs to any inappropriately spelled names that end up being pronounced Fox. Always enjoyable. Um, shout outs to, to Mendenhall and hopefully he can, you know, get back on the show later and then it's, he's going to become the next world champion. Watch out, Sherman Adcock Jr. So that's all I got, buddy. That's all I got. Uh, shout outs to I-57 Drag Strip and all the people that are going to be there. I, it's not a funny shout out. It's just that it's my favorite race in the whole freaking world. So if you're one of the 250 lucky contestants, man, it's going to be a good time. We are going to burn that place to the ground on Saturday night. It is going to be awesome. I, I am pumped. My voice is already failing. So come on, Jed. All right. That's what I got. Willie, that was a fantastic run of shouts on uh, on on the spot like that. So very well done. Shouts also 
to whoever makes the lemonade at I-57 Drag Strip. I will probably consume a gallon or so of that over the weekend. And uh, just really looking forward to being there with you, with Luke, with Jess, and the staff at I-57, and obviously the other 248 racers that are going to be participating. It's going to be an awesome time. And, uh, and obviously Paige will be there as well. So the team will be all together. And, uh, and I know we're going to have an awesome event. Weather looks fantastic. So it's going to be really cool. I'm going to tighten that front end just a tickle. And I'm going to pull a battery out of it because I don't need a busted oil pan the first day of the Jake Summer Door Car Shootout and then have if to you're watch scared, the rest of the week. Say scared. Scared. Just a little. Just a little scared. That place has just got a wheelie in it. It's just stupid. It's going to be a good time. We got a wheelie contest and a burnout contest. So we're going to have a blast. Racers, uh, Luke and I, both active on the Twitter. If you would like to tweet us, We'd love to hear from you. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. We want to hear from you. We look forward to delivering some results from the Jeg Summer Door Car Shootout and more racing that's on the schedule for this weekend. We'll talk to you about that next week, along with whatever hot topics that come up. But mainly, we appreciate you watching. If you're watching tonight, we appreciate you listening. If you're listening on Friday, and we can't wait, as Willie said, to talk to you real soon about more Sportsman Drag Race. You know, it's those long nights, early mornings, rolling down these old back roads, working all Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer, led by knowledgeable professionals. Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors, and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100 plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action. Take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.